Welcome back. Now, it seems there might be unforeseen costs from getting off of the grid for both ESCOM and consumers. On the one hand, consumers are seeking to lessen the impact of electricity price increases and load shedding by seeking alternative power solutions. On the other hand, this has started to impact the revenue ESCOM and municipalities earn from electricity sales. The power utility is looking into implementing feed-in tariffs to mitigate the risks of aggressive rollouts of rooftop solar to its finances. Sebo Khadima, independent uh, economic and energy analyst, joins us now to unpack those costs. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Sebo, is getting off the grid an option for all or just a small segment of the population? It has become a necessity. A necessity in the fact that... Uh, ESCOM up till now doesn't have a practicable plan to return to service the 15,000 or so megawatts of capacity that they have shut down. And also ESCOM doesn't appear to be letting you know, go of uh, their demand for what I term extortionist tariffs. So as long as tariffs continue to rise at the rate that they are, uh, consumers, particularly the residential customers in the main, will find alternatives. And what we have seen happen is that the banking sector now are financing you know, rooftop solar installations, effectively off-grid solutions. And off-grid can only spell trouble for ESCOM. Let's look at the numbers. As of 5 o'clock this afternoon, I think the demand in the country was around 27,000 megawatts. Thankfully, we don't have uh, load shedding, which we are told has been suspended. Mm. Uh, but contrast that to you know, uh, five, seven years ago, the demand uh, peak hour from 5 p.m. should have been around 32, 33,000 megawatts. So... ESCOM that, let's say, in those times would have been selling 193 terawatt hours of electricity a year. Mm. Uh, this, well, next week they're supposed to report their audited financial statements. I have said that uh, they're going to have to really show that their electricity sales have dropped well below 160 terawatt hours for the year in review. And right now, for the current financial year, I think that uh, they're going to drop... Uh, to almost 150 terawatt hours from 193 terawatt hours. Yeah. ESCOM has got a staff complement that ordinarily is supposed to be generating, transmitting, and distributing at least 47,000 megawatts of power at 27,000 megawatts. It means that you are dealing here with a utility that right now for, you know, if we have to really uh, face the facts, mm -hmm. they're overstaffed. They've got 43,000 employees. They can... The electricity they are generating requires half of the staff complement is yeah. that. And the lower electricity sales, as I say, to 155, 150 terawatt hours, th th that is trouble for ESCOM. Yeah. And I don't understand why, therefore, they talk about uh, encouraging uh, rooftop solar installations to then have a fit-in tariff <laughs> because the cost in the first instance, or the, yeah. the, the price, the purchase price, is above their inherent cost of generation. Talk to us about those feed-in tariffs. What exactly do they entail? Well, effectively what they're saying is that during the day when the sun is shining, because we're talking about rooftops, uh, solar installations, mm -hmm. then you can feed that electricity back to ESCOM, sell it to ESCOM effectively, uh -huh. and then ESCOM will, in the evening when you require that power, give you the power. Now, I don't understand where they get that from. Let's take this for example. Yeah. They don't switch off a coal-fired boiler or a nuclear 
plant during the day. Mm-hmm. Whereas on their open cycle gas turbines, the OCGTs, we see them there because it gives you the flexibility to ramp up and down. Mm-hmm. So if you look at 4 o'clock this afternoon, they were, I think, doing about 150 megawatts from the OCGTs. They had to increase that to, I think, maybe now around 530, 570 megawatts of in order to, to make up yeah. for the peak demand that has increased. But when you look at the coal-fired uh, power stations, they have remained constant because they have to remain constant. With a coal-fired boiler, you don't have the flexibility of uh, ramping up and down as you would have with the gas. Therefore, hence, the renewables do, are not the alternative on-grid for South Africa as opposed to what the Europeans, because the Europeans have got access to cheap, abundant Russian gas. Yeah. And hence, they can be able to have those type of options available to them. We don't have that option. But ESCOM, above you know, all else, mm. what they should really be worried about is that with the sales having declined to the extent that they have now, yeah. I, I would hate to be the CFO or the treasurer at ESCOM because the, the, the numbers look horrendous for all intents and purposes. And I've stated, uh, I mean, on this uh, TV station previously that when ESCOM releases its financial statements, they're going to have to take off a lot of uh, impairment charges. Mm-hmm. So they have to impair the 15,000 megawatts that they had kept in breakdown for infinite mm-hmm. amount of time. And at the same time, the debt that they attribute to municipal, municipal customers, they're going to have to write that off because the rules of accounting in terms of IFRS, yeah. they demand that they must write that off. So when you look at it, they're gonna, the, the loss that they have to report will be well above uh, you know, 70 billion rand yeah. because they said that operationally, they made an operating loss or they were projecting an operating loss of at least 21 billion. So these are the serious problems. But more and more customers are going to migrate because it becomes a lot more cheaper per unit now to have a rooftop solar installation and have a banking, a financial institution, then financing you as they will finance you with a mortgage for a house or a car, a lease. So we're going to see more and more of that happen. That in turn means more migration of uh, ESCOM's customer base, where I fear that by the next financial year and March 2024, that figure will be sitting well over 12,000 megawatts. And therefore then, where do you sit? I mean, you sit with an entity that is no longer viable. Government cannot continue to put more money than they already have been putting in because they themselves don't really have the latitude. And um, the energy intensive users, at the same time, we are going to see subdued demand from them because they have to shut down most of their critical Mm. uh, manufacturing, uh, mining, mineral processing, and all of that, simply because the costs have just become unviable. They become unsustainable, and and, and that is a vicious cycle. So we effectively need leadership fortitude at ESCOM that can be alive to these uh, realities and really come up with practicable measures and not rely on the politicians. I mean, all respect to Dr. Hussein Ramokopa, a very good guy, enthusiasm, but in a, he's working outside of his job description. His job description is defined in terms of the Electricity Regulation Act, Section 34. But everything else that he does has got nothing to do with Section 34, as yeah. which is his job description. I mean, there's really quite a lot that ESCOM and the municipalities need to mm. work out. But just coming, uh, bringing it back to the consumer, I mean, we're talking about uh, going off-grid becoming a necessity. Oh, yes.
at this point, uh, Tebo, just from your point of view, do you think that a grid collapse could still be on the cards or not? Because, I mean, we have had reports coming in saying that things are actually going to start getting better next year. Well, look, if I think what has happened, which uh, we had not really foreseen it, mm. I'm, I'm on record. Yeah. A year ago, as even said that, we are on the verge of the grid collapse. Yes. And the insurance companies agree with that view. Mm -hmm. um, and hence, they have excluded... And they prepared for it. Well, they've excluded uh, grid collapse-related cover. If you now you talk to the municipalities, for example, and you just run a survey, find out how many of them are having their insurance claims being repudiated by the insurance companies, you'll be horrified because now it's hundreds of millions of rents that have been uh, repudiated. So the risk is still inherent. However, to avert the risk of the total grid collapse, ESCOM needs to completely do away with blackouts because the demand is lower. They need to maintain generation capacity above 27,000. If they can get to 30,000 megawatts, then the risk goes away because remember the grid collapse um, effectively is triggered among others, by equipment failure. And equipment failure will be a result of uh, uh, you know, damage to the equipment where you've got then this cascading failure of the equipment. And we've seen every time they're announcing that, look, unit uh, one and two at this particular power station is tripped, there will be another power station regardless of age mm. because of they are all synchronized. So we are running what is called a unitary grid in South Africa. Mm. And now that itself, it's got its advantages, but at the same time, it means that it doesn't leave you room uh, or latitude to, to have the rolling blackouts that we've been having because then the, the damage to the critical substation equipment, transmission equipment, we've seen that on the increase. And that is one of the things that would technically trigger a grid collapse. Mm -hmm. So they need to do everything in their power to keep the generating capacity, notwithstanding the decrease in the declining demand for electricity, they must keep the generating capacity to the extent that you must never ever have load shedding. We should never even be considering yeah. load shedding or even announcing it ahead of time. Yeah. And, and I think the decline, the decline in electricity demand has helped to avert the total collapse of the grid, mm. which most of us uh, had foreseen or we're projecting at the beginning yeah. of the year. Well, just lastly, to wrap it up, uh, while we still do have load shedding, should uh, people now uh, consider going completely off the grid or partially off the grid? Are there risks maybe to going off the grid completely? No, there's only benefits. Mm. When you go off grid, uh, I think one of the solutions that we're going to see is that people are going to uh, have a hybrid system whereby mm -hmm. they've got rooftop solar, they also have got gas. Mm. Gas for cooking, for heating, as well as for water heating. Geysers, I mean, they are the biggest uh, uh, energy, they're energy intensive by and large. So we'll see more people going tankless geysers mm. using gas, cooking with gas. And then for their light appliances in the home, bear this in mind, 44.9% of ESCOM's customer base is the residential customer. So that, that is a huge customer that the more and more of them that go off grid, it spells financial doom for ESCOM. Mm. 
I think Minister Pravin Godan recently in Parliament uh, answering to the DA question said that a smaller municipality, well not so small, Buffalo City, yeah. lost in excess of 350 million rent in revenue because customers that would have been receiving their electricity distributed by the municipality mm. have gone off-grid. And as more and more go off-grid, so the idea that you can then feed in, have a feed-in tariff mm -hmm. is an absurdity. It's not sustainable. I don't even understand why they are considering it. Yeah. ESCO must get back to the basics so that but more and more people go off-grid because at two rand, 18 cents plus VAT, mm. you can now with an off-grid solution, get electricity at about one rand sixty cents a kilowatt hour. The numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. All right. Well, we do have to leave the conversation there. We could talk for another thirty minutes because this is a very pertinent issue. Thank you so much, though, for your time, Tepo, and for your insights. Uh, that was independent economic and energy analyst at Tepo Kadima.